seems cruel to have a scripture text on fasting while you can smell the pancakes behind you. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? You know, I used to think that God changed greatly over time, that whenever I pulled out the Old Testament, that it was a totally different God, that, that life, that humanity had totally changed God to where our intention was then changed, that we had new meaning, and that's why Christ came, that to teach us this new way, these new expectations. And I always flip back to the Old Testament at first thinking about that and how this is a different God. Until recently, that is. Now, I still think that God hears us and our petitions, and God's still changed and affected by us. But what if, What if it wasn't God that has changed, but simply our human understanding of God that has changed? What if God's been the same God? We often say the Old Testament God gives us this, but the New Testament gives us today the life that we lead. I ask that because even though this is a prayer, I mean, not a prayer, a text on fasting, it really is a text about life. This text says that when you're depriving yourself of this physical need, your body's craving, and you are turning to God to sustain you and to feed you, don't let that outward appearance reflect the deprivation of your physical food. That part of the message we have down pretty pat, down pat. We do that well in our life, in our daily life. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm good. We have the cover up, that false veneer. We, we put it on pretty well. We do that often in our lives. The Sabbath part, that second part of this fasting We don't do that very well at all. We don't take the time to rest. We don't pause for even a second. You have an extra hour, we figure out how to best use it. We need something to get done, we stay up, not sleeping as much that night. We deprive our bodies of what they physically need. But what we don't realize is that if we keep doing that, we're not able to uphold that first thing. Now, in our text, talks about the yoke of oppression. And we kind of look at it like we don't understand what oppression is anymore. But there's oppression all around us. There's a Peruvian monk named Gustavo Gutierrez. Um, He's known mostly for his ideas on liberation theology. When he went away for school in England and came back to Peru, he discovered that the entire economic 
growth of Peru was stunted. Nothing was blossoming. Nothing was booming. Everyone was poor. He looked into it. Turns out 60% of Peru was poor. And of those 60%, 82% were in extreme poverty. When you have that much extreme poverty around you, you cannot grow as a society. You cannot grow as a community. He started wanting change to occur, change to happen. And as he continued trying to strive for that change, he discovered one very important thing. And that was that people did not understand other people until they stepped into their shoes. No one in Peru could understand that kind of poverty until they actually went to people's homes, met with people, lived a day like they do. He understood that nobody understood that kind of oppression until they looked at it from the eyes of the ex- those in extreme poverty. Once people began doing that, things started changing in their society and things started booming and blossoming. They built their society back up together. This past Wednesday night at the Billy O. Phillips Park, or as many of us refer to it, the Blue Park, over in Legacy, our ELL teachers hosted a picnic for not just the other teachers, but also for all of their Somali students. Uh, Travis and I were invited to stop by, and we, we were turning in and driving into the parking lot. It was the most beautiful sight, because there, right by the pavilion, were all of these Americans and Somalis playing cornhole of all ages, and the little ladder ball game to the side, and they were laughing and smiling, and it was the most beautiful thing I had seen in Norwalk in a while. It literally took my breath away. And as we joined them, and as we sat down and to eat with them, I realized at that point in time, these, these ladies, these Somali students, they didn't know each other. They come in here to the same building and they receive the teaching that they need of different levels, but a lot of them did not know one another. And I don't know what kind of ignorance was in my head that I just thought, oh, they all speak the same language. They all come to the same place. They must all know each other. Ridiculous. This beautiful thing was occurring to where these communities were being formed. These ladies were getting to know others like them with the same stories. Many of them being in refugee camps before ever arriving here in the States. Many of them husbands still away there with these children. Being a single parent is hard work. Community was being formed. They were relearning how to rebuild their lives in this new place. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
in our text today. It's when all of these Judeans are coming back. The temple's been torn down. Their walls of protection have all been torn down. Our text is about rebuilding and how to live your life again. I looked on Facebook yesterday because I was tired of looking up on different things of people being oppressed. And just on my news feed, within a few minutes, I scrolled through and saw not just a mom, but also a dad posting about the intolerance that their son was receiving because he was a dancer. It is so dumb. Then I continued to scroll through, and one of my friends from New Orleans, who's a musician, beautiful musician, talked about how she continually gets passed up for gigs, people selecting her white male counterparts instead of her being a black woman. Even though she can hit notes and do things that they can't. Scrolled on down a little farther, one of my college sweetmates is sitting there, very blessed that she was able to go through her chemo treatments, yet doesn't know how in the world she's ever going to be able to pay for them. I put down my phone, and the next time I picked it up, one of my Texas camp kids who is currently attending Ohio State, was on letting us know he was safe because there was an active shooter a block from him. No matter what kind of oppression is around us, whether it's masked by the names of healthcare, gun violence, racism, sexism, It is all around us. People are being oppressed all around us. Just this week, our beloved country decided that now children that ICE detains can be detained indefinitely. Just this week, here in our affluent suburb of Norwalk, People lined up outside of this church building to receive food because they don't know where their next meal is coming from, some of them. Just this week, in our affluent suburb of Norwalk, at an open house that had a free supply, school supply box at the front door, I saw a mom and a daughter look around until nobody was really looking and watching before they dug through to get the school supplies that they needed for the year. People are hurting. The oppressed are all around. And this text, this text is telling us that there are injustices out there that we need to be fighting for, that we need to be living for. But we can only take these challenges on 
if we take the time to rest. When we're taking care of ourselves, we can better take care of each other and support each other and rebuild our communities so that the oppressed have a safe space to go and they are no longer oppressed. God has intended for us to receive rest from the beginning. Whether God has changed or not, God gave us the Sabbath to rest. God, God self-rested. So good people, take care of yourselves so that we can all take care of each other. How can we stand up for others and be community for each other if we can't take care of ourselves? So let's go and live our best life together. Amen? Amen.